Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 853. Just because somebody knows something doesn't mean they know everything. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dennis Kolaber. Hey, Dennis, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, you bet, Mark. I'm, I'm all set for you. Here we go. Dennis Kolaber has been building model cars professionally for over 31 years. I ran into Dennis during car week while I was walking the paddock at Laguna Seca. He was carrying a very detailed model of a Ferrari F1 that I just could not stop admiring. We struck up a conversation. And here we are today. He built his first model at the age of six and started winning contests with his builds at the age of 11. His careers over the years have ranged from teaching ballroom dancing, sales and training, time at the Coleman Company, and 10 years in the Air Force as a cryptographer. I appreciate your service there, Dennis. But his passion is in model building. And today, Dennis, who's 70 years old, is still building highly detailed models for his clients <laughs> around the world. That is pretty darn cool. So, Dennis, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your model building career and your passion for automobiles? Oh, that was funny when you said Dennis is 70 years old and still building models, because that surprises me, too. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what's funny? Uh, Well, you know, we've met, and it actually, I'm proud to say it shocks people that I'm 70 years old. You know, when I read that, after I'd met you, I went, no way, I've got something wrong here. So, yeah, you're a very young (laughs) 70 years old. Well, I was a professional dancer for a long time, and so I'm in pretty good shape, and I take pretty good care of myself. And But, you know, the nice thing about it is my hands are still completely steady. My eyesight is still great after three eye surgeries, amazingly enough. Wow. Uh, I thought I would lose my career at one point in time, but, but I still see great, and, and it's just such enjoyable work that, you know, I've just kept up at it. And I think maybe doing something I really enjoy for 31 years has kept me younger. So. <laughs> you think? I, I know that that's a fact because uh, I've had 852 people before you here on Cars Yeah that have all discovered the secret sauce to life. Do what you're passionate about. And that's what Dennis is doing. And we're going to learn a lot more about Dennis and building models. Yeah, can you believe it? Here's a guy building models for a career. That is so cool. Well, let's start by uh, having you tell me a success quote or a mantra that you live by or something. Something that has some great meaning to you. So, Dennis, take the wheel. Well, you know, it's funny because exactly what we're talking about flows right into this first question. One of the things I've heard many, many years ago, I had a job I did not enjoy at all. As a matter of fact, I was going to have the obligatory heart attack at age 39 and not be around to see my kids grow up. And I remembered people saying, if you do something you love, you never really go to work. <laughs> yes, yeah, so true, so true. And, uh, you know, I found that to be so. I mean, I work at home. I work on my own schedule. I laugh because at 70, most of my friends are retired now. Mm-hmm. And I occasionally I'll say, well, I'm really jealous. You, you retired after 30 years with UPS and you have retirement coming in and all these kind of things. You get to do what you want to do. And they all laugh at me and they say, Dennis, you have lived like you're half retired for the last 30 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have my own schedule, my own timing. I do what I want to when I want to. And when you and I met, I had taken 16 days to leave from Dallas, Texas here and go to, uh, first of all, I spent some time with Jay Leno. He's been a customer for 28 years. Wow. Uh, he had done a 
he had restored a Cunningham C3, and he said, when I finished restoring the car, I did a model of it for him while he was in the restoration. Mm-hmm. When I finished the car, I want you to come out and we'll take a drive in it. Oh, nice. So I did that, and then I put it in conjunction. From there, I went up to the Monterey Historics where you and I met, mm-hmm. and I spent four days there, and I have press credentials, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I went to Las Vegas and filmed an episode of Pawn Stars. <laughs> and, and so I had 16 days off on my own, and I, it was a wonderful vacation. But it was also work. Grueling life you got going there, Dennis. I feel so bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, let's go back in time a little bit and have you share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy? Yeah, there really is. Uh, Mark, I kind of hate to say, but I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. My dad was married five times. My mom's six. I was the only child. And it was, you know, a lot of alcohol. It was a bad, bad deal. Uh, in high school, it's 64, 65, and 66. I, ha- I had some good friends, and we grew up like the movie American Graffiti, where Friday night and Saturday night we'd be downtown cruising and just laughing and meeting people and just having a just having a good clean time. But it was all based around you know having a car to get out there and do things with. And uh, it was just a, it was an escape for me from a dysfunctional home. So I really kind of adhered to that car culture. Well, you know, it's pretty cool that cars, in a sense, saved you from those difficult times. And, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad for you. I've known of families like that, friends that have come from homes like that. And finding something you're passionate about that's, like you said, clean and good for you versus some people lean towards drugs or more alcohol or something bad for you. Yeah, you definitely had some wisdom there at a very young age to to get out and do something that you enjoyed and that was fun and, and good. So. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Now, you picked a very unique career choice. You did some other things in your early years, but this is a very unique career choice. And I think most people listening look back to their youth like I did, building models and think, this guy's making a living building models. I mean, how how cool is that? But I'm sure you have met with some challenges and failures along the way. So kind of take us to one of those times, walk us through that, but then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career, your business, in your life. Yeah, you know, again, uh, it's interesting the the path our conversation is going because, uh, you know, the thing about a challenge or what you get over, uh, I used to do a lot of speaking in churches and to young people. And one of the things I would address is the family that I came from and the propensity in a family like that is for the the, the child, especially an only child with nobody else to talk to. I mean, I never, ever had a friend come over and stay the night. I just wouldn't dare. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I just grew up independent, grew up on my own. And uh, it was just interesting because the challenge was, you know, how do I, how do I stay straight? You know, how do I, how do I not get involved in what my parents are involved in? And, uh, you know, the whole, the whole thing of being able to, to do something that I was really proud of. I mean, I started building, I, I think you said earlier on when I was six years old, I can still remember the very first model I ever built. And it was a very funny story. My folks, <laughs> my folks decided when I was about five years old, that the accordion was going to be the uh, instrument of the future. <laughs> and I was taking accordion lessons. And at Christmas time, we had to buy a gift, you know, for everybody else in the music class for about $2 or $3. And they threw them in a barrel and you picked one out. And I pulled out a model of an airplane. Mm-hmm. And that was my first model. And I just, again, found at the younger age, before I got into the actually cars and going out with other guys and, you know, the American graffiti thing, my thing was being at home and creating 
yeah. and enjoying it. Uh, I've always liked art. I was actually an art major in college. That's one of my degrees. I was my other degree is a history major. And interestingly enough, I, I kind of combine those now. I mean, I have to do a lot of research. Right. I mean, some of my model cars run up to ten thousand dollars. Wow. And uh, the, the buyers demand accuracy. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of times I'm duplicating someone's actual automobile. And so I have occasion to go through maybe three hundred photographs in the history of the car and and saying, okay, I'm going to do the car as it raced at Le Mans in 1982, and that's exact. then we agree on exactly what I'm going to do. So, you know, it was interesting because it, it gave me a great outlet yeah. uh, against all of that, where it, it, uh, it did make me a little bit independent, but even with what I do now, I guess that's okay. But, yeah, I have a lot of people shocked. I have one client who at one time was one of the 10 richest people in the world, and uh, he came up to me at Monterey a number of years ago, and they kept announcing, Mark, you know, when you go, they'll announce the next race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Formula One, uh, Lotus 78, owned by so-and-so. Uh, the next race, Can-Am, you know, McLaren, whatever, owned by so-and-so. Somebody, well, anyway, this guy, they kept calling his name over and over and over <laughs> again. I'm not going to tell you the name. Yeah. But he came up, uh, you know, uh, at, at my model display there at Monterey, and we had done some business, but had never met in person. Oh. And he said, oh, I'm so-and-so, and you're Dennis. And I said, yeah. He said, I can't believe it. You're living every little boy's dream. <laughs> yes, yes. And I said, you know what? I'll trade with you for six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, you know it's, it's interesting that he said that, and the grass is always greener on the other side, of course. But again, the, the whole story here that you've shared with us of, of being in that family where there were so many challenges and finding a way to kind of not so much hide away but go be your own person and do some things right. where you could focus right. and not have to focus on the, the dilemmas with your folks. Not let it drag me down. Right? Yeah, not, exactly. Not let it bring me down but uh, exactly. want to excel at something. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, I built model cars as a kid. I mean, I'd sit in my room for hours. My mom would come back and go, are you still alive back here? <laughs> because it does. It takes you away and if you're really meticulous like I was and you wanted things to be perfect, you worked very slowly, very carefully. I didn't have the resources that you had because I just had the the box, the Revell model box, you know. But sure, uh, sure. but you know, I built a lot of models. It was just so much fun. Well, yeah, you are living the dream and the testament that one of the world's richest men is somewhat envious of what you're able to do <laughs> uh, is a grand testament to that for sure. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when you right. realize this is the way I need to go. Uh, yeah, I... Uh you mentioned a few of the things I did. When I, when I got out of the Air Force, I went into the corporate world, and I actually moved to a place where I was making, at the time, quite good money. I mean, uh, 31 years ago, uh, I was on track for 200 or 225000 a year uh, in sales and in hiring and training sales staff for four different companies here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I would have to drive an average of about 140 miles a day in downtown Dallas traffic, which, you know, is is just about as bad as it gets. And it would just drive me crazy. I just hate traffic. And the people I worked for were just what I call electric people. Mm. They come in at 9 o'clock in the morning, the dust flies, the paper flies, everything's going, the phone's ringing, and they get absolutely nothing done. And you've got to work in spite of them. Mm. And one day, I'm driving home to the house we lived at here in Plano, Texas. We'd lived there for 11 years. I'm driving home. I did not know what road I was on. I said, I know I've been here before, but I don't recognize any of these buildings or any of these street names. And I was breathing a little funny. I thought, am I having a heart attack or what? I'm 39 years old and in great physical shape. Yeah. I thought, maybe I should pull over. I thought, no, I'm driving. Okay, I'm actually having this conversation 
with myself. Yeah. I got home to my house, pulled into my driveway, sat in my car, and debated seriously I should ring the doorbell because I'm not sure this is my house. Oh, my gosh. It was an anxiety attack is what it was. Okay. I'm, 30, I'm 39. The work I'm doing, I absolutely loathe. I absolutely hate. I'm not going to be around to see my kids grow up. Yeah. It's not worth it. I don't care how much money I'm making. I had done some model cars for a, for a store here in Dallas, a very, very exclusive where people go in and buy gold keys for their Mercedes or a $10,000 painting of their car, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'd done some models in there on consignment. And uh, uh, I looked at my taxes. I said, you know, I made $10,000 this year in one store with no advertising or no anything. I told my wife if I had 10 stores like that around the country – I could still make six figures and work for myself. Yeah. Bravo, the, the light bulb comes yeah, on. Yeah. Right. I didn't know at the time there weren't 10 stores. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, well, you're, you're on America a good track. Plus, yeah. <laughs> but I, I literally, I took the leap. I quit my $200,000 job. I put car uh, models in my car. I went to San Diego and hooked up with Carnes Motors, the Ferrari Bentley dealer. Oh, yes. Uh, there. Did some things with them. Picked up a store in Carmel, up by Monterey. Mm -hmm. From that store, I was referred to a store in Connecticut. From that one, one in Chicago. From that one, one in New York. So I'm doing these model cars. And the the second aha moment, Mark, I'm building a Lotus 49 112-scale Formula 1 car. I'm selling it to these stores for Mm $1,000. They're selling it to a client for $2,000. Somebody out there is paying $2,000 for my work. Yeah, i got to find that guy. (laughs) I need to find that guy. And I can sell him the car for fifteen hundred. Right. He can buy three for the price of two, and I get all the money. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. There's the businessman yeah. in you playing the numbers game. And that—that's when I started doing. Uh, I would actually vendor at at vintage races. I found out that was my niche was mm-hmm. the guys who owned vintage cars, right? Who were a little bit older, who had spare money, yeah. and who liked the older cars. Yeah. And so I would do the Monterey Historics. I do Watkins Glen, Lime Rock, Sears Point, Road America the 24 hours of Daytona. And I did that for 18 years, Mark. I would go do these shows. I do four or five shows a year Wow! Uh, for about 18 years. Finally, the advent of the internet uh, and my website and word of mouth by that time, I really just didn't need to do that anymore. So I've not done a show now in, in you know, 15 years. Yeah, you're you're always on show. Right, right, right. <laughs> wow, you know, what an awesome story. Uh, this is absolutely spectacular. And I think the key takeaway for me here is there's so many people out there with a career that may be making them great money and professional and a lot of things that come with that, but they're just not happy. And yeah. oh yeah, oh, I, you yeah. know, and that's what why I came up with cars. Yeah, that is to for you and I together to inspire those listeners who aren't happy in their careers and helping them realize you can go do something you would enjoy that you can love that you can be passionate about. And Dennis is a perfect example. So I'm so glad you recognized that that terrible incident that day, that anxiety attack. How important <laughs> that was. Yeah. To change your life, yeah, so that here you are, 70 years old, you've been doing it all this time, you're still with us, and you know what? You have a big smile on your face, So, uh, and you have for a long time. Awesome story. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've made many people happy by creating models for them. Is there one that stands out for you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I hadn't really thought of that that question. I I think maybe one of the first, maybe one of the first times I contacted Jody Schechter, Mm-hmm. Uh, world champion for Ferrari in 1979. Oh, yes. And I sent him pictures of a car, I, uh, you know, 112 scale model of his Ferrari 312 T4 that he won the championship in. Mm-hmm. And he wrote back, oh, my goodness, never seen anything like it, blah, blah, blah. This is when he was actually living in Atlanta. This is, you know, uh, 
long after he was actually racing. Yeah. And uh, we got together, and I, uh, another almost aha moment, if you will, in a minor way, I said, would you be interested in signing some of these cars for me? And we actually struck a deal where I built the car for him, a model for him, and in exchange, he he signed 20 of the 112-scale Ferraris for me. Mm. Well, when I delivered the car to him in Atlanta, he looked at it and was kind of, you know, oh, my goodness, and he said, now, what's our deal here? (laughs) Well, you get the car, you get the car, I get 20 signatures, and he said, you know what? I, I feel like I feel like I'm cheating you. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'll tell you what. Every time you sell one of these cars, send me the guy's address, and I'll send him a personal letter. And of course, I have my copy of it, and it's on letterhead with his helmet and says Champion of the World, 1979. <laughs> and it says like I can quote it to you exactly. It says, Dear Mark, I understand you want to have have one of the Ferrari 312 T4s from Dennis Cole. I have one of them, one in my collection that's brought back many fond memories to me. Best wishes with it, sincerely, Jody Schechter. And while I'm talking to him, I took my three-ring binder of photographs of other cars I'd done, and he's flipping through. He says, oh, you do the Walter Wolf. I said, yeah. Would you do one for me? Oh, sure. And he flips it. Oh, you do the six-wheel Terrell. Would you do one for me? <laughs> Anyhow, over a period of time, I actually wound up building all of his Formula One cars. Wow. And for me, it was it was amazing that here's a, a extraordinarily successful businessman after his racing career, yes. a world champion who admired my work enough that he wanted me to actually do all of his cars so he'd have those as memories. That, that's that's probably one of the one of the very first times I realized, you know, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I got this figured out. Oh, my gosh. Well, definitely a proud moment. And what a nice thing for Jody to do for your clients, that extra letter, that extra yeah, touch, because that added, that added something that was invaluable. Well, you know, everyone was absolutely personal that way. Of course, they were all serial numbered and Oh, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been amazing. Oh, my gosh, Dennis, 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 you are having too much fun. <laughs> Let's go back in time and talk about your first really special car, maybe that first car that you had that you really went, man, I finally got it, and maybe you yeah. have a memory to share about that vehicle. Oh, you bet, you bet. Actually, my third car, uh, my first was a Corvair that I traded a motorcycle for because I was tired of crashing my motorcycle, <laughs> and I, I fortunately never got hurt, so yes. I actually traded my motorcycle for a 62 Corvair, which caught fire the first time I took a girl on a date in it. Uh-oh. I mean, the radio caught the radio caught fire. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, that was not it. My second car was pretty darn special, but not the one I'm coming to. I, I had a, a 68 Camaro SS396. Mm, nice. That was my first brand new car. I mean, I was there when it came in on the truck. So that was good. I, I put four miles on it before I got it to the speed shop and, you know, put on exhaust, put on bigger tires, jacked it up for you, the whole thing. Right. But the first really car that, that really made me think, hey, I had a 66 uh, Stingray. Ooh. And, yeah, and uh, that was a that was a cool car. Small block, four-speed convertible. And the girl I was dating at the time, we were in college by then, the girl I was dating at the time loved my Camaro, and I did too, but I had an opportunity to buy this Stingray, and so I did. Well, my roommate in college, we had a house together. He had a 1960 Corvette, but it was a rattle trap. I mean, <laughs> it was primered. It had cracks in the fiberglass. Of course, it rode like a, it rode like a semi-truck. It gurgled, but not because it was a hot engine, just because it gurgled. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable. And I told her, I said, I said, yeah, uh, I traded the Camaro for a Corvette. And she goes, oh, good. And she really didn't mean it at all right. because she thought, oh, my gosh, what has he done? Yeah. She went with me when I took the Camaro to where I traded on the Corvette. And we're sitting there filling out the paperwork. And 
you know, they took the Corvette and they were washing it and waxing and everything. So we're looking out the window and here bounces up the window this Sebring Silver with a red interior Corvette Stingray with the top down. Mm. I said, oh, there it is. She goes, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, now was, he's made the right so, choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a great moment. And you know something I had thought about in a long time. Uh-huh. You know that her daddy co-signed for me that Corvette. What a nice guy. Cause, yeah, because my dad, of course, had no credit at all. Uh-huh. And the Camaro I bought brand new, and I got it on my own because it was a brand new car. So GMAC financed it for me. Uh-huh. But on the used car, we couldn't get that. Yeah. And her dad. Now I was dating. One of his five daughters. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty anxious to have a son-in-law. There. But anyway, <laughs> yes. but yeah, that 66 Stingray, that far and away, yeah. you know, uh, my first really favorite car. Unfortunately, it was stolen in 1971. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, yep. that yep. kind of leads me to the seller's remorse story, and maybe that's mm-hmm. the, uh, that the thieves' remorse story. But is there a car that uh, you've lost or let go? Is that the one? You bet. Yeah. No. Oh, no, gosh. no. Better, better than that. Oh. I was dating my wife. And, uh, I mean, she wasn't my wife when I was dating her, but yeah, I was dating my wife. <laughs> I understand. And I had a 59 Porsche. I had a 1959 MGA twin cam coupe. Oh, nice. Uh, I took her to a three dog night concert. That shows you how long ago it was. <laughs> uh, I got home to my apartment and everything was gone. My apartment had been robbed. Oh my gosh. Well, I had done, uh, you know, time in the Air Force, uh, in Korea. I bought killer stereo equipment for back in those days. I mean, the best of the best of the best. Yeah. It was all gone. Well, my, my renter's insurance had to pay American prices to replace it. Mm. So it was a pretty substantial check for those days. We're talking 1970. Yeah. So I had like $3,600 in my pocket. I went and put it in the bank on the way back to my apartment. I passed a consignment sports car lot, not on purpose. It was just on the way home. I glanced over, and there was a 66 E-Type Jag convertible. Oh. And when I had my Stingray, you know, you you, kind of look at Jags. You know, you look at everything. The only Jaguars I wanted was a 65 or a 66, maybe an early 67, where they still had the covered headlights. Yes. And the little tiny taillights. Oh, yeah. Because the 63s and 2s were were too delicate, you know, the suspension thing. Anyway, I pulled in there. I drove the car. It was wonderful. I went back and I asked the guy, I said, what do you want for that old car? They said, $2,000. I said, I'll take sold, it. Sold, <laughs> sold, sold. So I went back to the bank, got out $2,000, bought it, called my girlfriend, who's now my wife for 42 years. Wow. Called my girlfriend. I said, I'm going to come over. You need to drive the Porsche back to my apartment. I just bought a Jaguar. Wow. And she said, man, I, I should have taken the hit right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little. Wow, well. Oh, you, yeah. Well, anyhow, awesome the stuff. end of the story, yeah. to, to, to fill your question, okay, we're married about two and a half years, and she's seven months pregnant. I've got a Porsche, an MG, and a Jaguar. Mm-hmm. I've got three stripes on my arm in the Air Force. Yeah. And she said, it's time for a family car. I can't fall in and out of these sports cars anymore. Right. Well, the Jag was not even hardly running. It needed valves. It needed a water pump. It needed a clutch. I mean, you know, and yeah. just if you know the old E-Types, they were a nightmare to work on. The Porsche, I pulled the engine myself. I put in carburetors. I put in pistons. Yeah. You know, anything I wanted to do. The MG never ran, so that was... <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I put 5,000 miles on it in 16 years, and most of that was towing it behind my car <laughs> from, from one Air Force base to another. Oh. But anyway, uh, a guy knocks on... Every time I would go to the mall, Mm-hmm. When I come out, there'd be two or three business cards stuck in the windshield yeah, wipers. If you yeah. ever want to sell this car, call me. Sure. And uh, a guy knocks on the door, and he has cash in his hand. Yep. 
And he came back that afternoon and actually towed the car away. And I said, well, good, you know, and bought my wife. I said, what do you want? She says, I like that new Cutlass Supreme. So I bought her a new Cutlass Supreme. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> I did not miss that Jag for four years. And I specifically remember the day I'm taking a nap on the couch with my daughter by then. You know, that was our second child. Yeah. And she was about six months old, laying on my chest. And I woke up and I put my hands on my head and I said, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> the realization. I, mean, I remember the exact second that I did that. I said, oh, my God, what have I done? Uh, and I realized, you know, there is no way in the world. Making toy cars, I'm ever going to have an, another E-Type. And again, it's not the money deal, but that, that was a lovely car. That was a beautiful <laughs> car. On a, on a perfect day with the top down yeah. in a straight line, that was a great car. Yeah. They really don't handle that well. They really, you know, uh, but under the right conditions. And of course, just to look at it, sitting in the front yard was, was almost worth the money. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful works of art and an awesome story. Well, let's talk about today, tomorrow. What are you working on right now that has you excited and fired up? And I got a little glimpse of what's coming for you listeners here. Dennis is working on something quite spectacular. So tell us all about it. Well, yeah. After 30 some years of doing this, I really kind of hit the jackpot. My favorite thing to build is a race car without glass. Uh, <laughs> in other words, not windows. So dealing with the, the windshields and the glass and everything is one of the hardest things I do in what I do. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy the race cars. I do not do a lot of street cars, a lot of road cars, unless it's a pretty regular customer like Jay Leno. I just did the cutting amp for him recently. Right. I sold some cars on the Internet. And one of my fortes is race weathering cars, finish them to look like they've been raced. Yes. Duct tape, dirt, burned exhaust, uh, rock chips, you know, all the way to burn to the ground, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyhow, I had, I had this guy call me from Asia. I'm not I'm not going to give a lot of details. I don't, you know, it's a little bit classified. Sure. But uh, an Asian gentleman called me. He said, yeah, I bought a couple of your cars. Yeah, I said, sure, yeah. And he said, would you be interested in building a uh, a Ferrari museum for me? And he is the newest Ferrari slash McLaren dealer in the Far East where he lives. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and uh, and I said, sure. So he said, well, put together a list. So I put together an idea of, like, 50 Formula One cars, Ferrari, mm-hmm. and about 50 sport racers, you know, Le Mans-type cars. Right. And sent that to him. So we got started on that. And so we thought we were going to do about 100 to 125 cars. Wow. Well, I've, we're over 400 already. What? <laughs> and there's no end in sight. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Once once he got the larger cars, once I sent him a 12-scale car with uh-huh. the super detailing, yeah. like like the one you saw. Yes. The one you actually saw at Monterey is going to him oh, uh, you know, okay. next week. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he got that, and he called me and said, uh, I, I don't even have words. I, I don't even have words to say. Yeah. Anyway, we got to doing all the Ferrari Formula One cars like that. And then he calls me, and he says, you know what, Dennis? I want for the museum, I want the competitors. Can you do the Lotuses and the McLarens and the Renaults? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I said, gee, yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah, anyway. cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So uh, so anyhow, yeah, we're, we're doing a, a lot of very exclusive cars for this guy. The kits that I'm using for the cars, now I do a lot of scratch building, mm-hmm. but the kits that I use, uh, are not what you buy at Walmart. Right. The lease is like the Tamiya kits, which are 100 150 bucks. But we do, we're doing a lot of very rare kits, and it's not unusual for me to pay over $1,000 for the unbuilt kit. Wow. And then, and then work on it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then we pick a specific race, and every single car in the collection. Now, let me back up a little tiny bit. 
at first, he didn't want to do 43rd scale. You know, the small cars right. are about four inches long. He went to the Ferrari factory in Marinello and saw their display of 43rds. And he called me and said, I want to duplicate that. I said, well, we're never going to duplicate it, but we can do a thousand of them. Yeah. And so we're kind of doing that. But all the larger cars I'm doing are all race finished. None of them are clean, shiny, out of the box. Cool. Very they're, cool. They're all, and they're accurate to the real automobile. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the amount of damage and whatever. The neat thing about it is he started saying, I wanted, I want to publish a book about your work, you know, a coffee table book. Oh. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, well, whatever. Just buy the cars and send me the money. You yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's kind of pie in the sky. I did not know the guy's real job is he is a magazine publisher. Oh. He publishes, he publishes the Asian equivalent of Esquire. Oh, okay. And since he's gotten into the Ferrari dealership and everything, which is really just a hobby for him, mm-hmm. he now publishes a sports car magazine over there also. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy is serious. And then he sent me a photograph of a car. I did the Ferrari uh, 330P4 that won Daytona. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was sandblasted on the front, and the, the, the roundels with the numbers were torn, and it's oil-stained, and there's duct tape, you know, just like a real car. Right. He sends me a photograph of this car, and, of course, he has incredible photographers with the magazine. So it's backlit and everything. It's on a black background, and the bottom half of it is just a shadow, and it blends up into the car. And, I mean, I got look at this. I got goosebumps now. You can't see it over the phone. Yeah. But just this, I'm looking at the photo right now. And he said, yeah, ostensibly, this is going to be the cover of the book. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this guy is serious. This is for real. Yeah. <laughs> I come to find out, Mark, here's the thing. Two guys from Marinello were at his shop. And he uses that photograph as the, uh, what do you call it, on his screensaver, on his oh, computer. Okay. Uh-huh. And they're looking and they go, oh, my gosh, where is that guy? Do you know who owns that car? We've been wanting that to, to forever. To Who owns that car? Where is he? He's, well, that car is in my office. It's a, it's a model. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. And they go in and look. And, and, and he said, yeah, I want to do a book. And they got all excited. And by then I had maybe 30, 40 models over there. And they were looking them over. Wow. They go back to Marinello and they talk to the, uh, the guy that was running Ferrari at the time. I can never pronounce his Moctilazuma or whatever yeah. it was. Like, I can't <laughs> he was the, the guy. He said, no, he said the, the, the Ferrari, the, the policy at Ferrari, any books or calendars or postcards or anything, the, the, the Ferrari has to be pristine. That's the policy. Right. So they weren't going to do the book. They called in a guy named Antonio Fizzi. Antonio Fizzi was the race director with Enzo in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, pretty prestigious in the Ferrari world. They called him in and said, what do you think? He said, look, this guy is doing three-dimensional models of cars that no longer exist. He's building a museum, an anthology of the history of Ferrari racing. We have to do this book. Yeah. So Ferrari actually changed their policy for me. <laughs> wow. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool. I mean, this is over-the-top cool. <laughs> uh, it's just absolutely phenomenal, and oh my gosh, how fun! But what an enormous project! Yeah, your swan song, I guess we could say, but uh, most definitely amazing. So I'm so happy for you, Dennis. That is just spectacular. Well, here's a very introspective question for you: If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, Dennis, and why? Yeah, now that took some thought. It really, really did, and I finally came down to it. When my Corvette was stolen, I had the insurance money, and I was looking at a, a car in L.A. and regret, you know, not having gotten it. But it, it, that doesn't, it's not the regret of it, but it, this car came to mind, an Intermechania Italia. Oh, you know, I've had Henry Reisner on this show. His dad started right. Intermechanica. And, really? Uh, yeah, and uh, Henry is a good friend of mine. In fact, I had... Oh, isn't that fun? Isn't yeah, that cool? I've uh, gone on many of his tours. I actually got to spend three days driving one of his cars. He makes incredible cars, but the Italia is something special. 
Well, we uh, uh, again, I, I actually borrowed a motorcycle. I was at Edwards Air Force Base at the time in California. Borrowed a motorcycle and went to L.A., which isn't as crazy as it sounds because I was born in San Bernardino, so I okay. knew kind of where I was going. And so I, I'm actually shopping for a car. I have money in my pocket, and I'm shopping for a car, and I stopped at the Lamborghini dealer. I had never seen a Lamborghini. I was raised in Wichita, Kansas, you know. <laughs> sure. So I stopped, and the guy who owned the company was a retired colonel from the Air Force, and he kind of took me under his arm because I was in the Air Force at the time uh, out there. And he said, well, here's a car you need to look at. And he was the dealer for the Italia. Oh. And it, we went out and we looked at that thing. And the reason I think if I were a car, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very stylish. Yes. It's very different, but it's not over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, I'd be a Lamborghini Diablo or I'd be a, you know, Ferrari or I'd be a yeah. whatever. You know, a, a very reasonable car, excellent performance, but very easy to maintain. You know, not complicated, quick, but not fast. Uh, you know, I don't care about fast. I mean, I've had five on my fifth Corvette now, and I've always gotten small box. I, I like quick. I don't care about fast. Right. I used to, I did have a Corvette that was 685 horsepower for a Ooh. while. That was fast. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's a practical car. It's very stylish. It's unusual. It's rare. Any place you go, you would start up a conversation, but it's easy to maintain. I just, as I thought about it, I thought that kind of. I like that. that. That's what I would. That's that's what I would want to be. You know, what's kind of cool about your answer too is an Italia, in a sense, since they are very rare, custom built, handmade cars. They're kind of like a right. model. Yeah, exactly. They are a composite. You know, it's the. You know, it's the Ford V8, you know, mm-hmm. the 351 Cleveland, a tube frame car, yep. aluminum body, you know, yeah. and just people would see it and say, well, what is that? Right. And, yeah. And, yeah. So it's like anyway, a big model. Yeah, and, well, people look at me and say, what is that? What is that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Dennis, we've, we've been having some fun here. Up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. 
Okay, Dennis, we're back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy a car for somebody else. And what I mean by that is not to actually help somebody buy a car, but buy a car that I want. Buy a car that's fun for me to Mm, drive. I mean, I really enjoy looking at T-buckets or 32 high boys with, you know, V8s in them and all. But you buy those for other people. You're driving down the street and they go, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, wow, look at that. But they're not really fun to drive. I always want a car that's fun for me to drive. Perfect answer. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? I just have to say probably discipline. Hmm. I mean, I work for myself. I don't answer to anybody except for the house payment people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I have to stay disciplined. It's, it's not unusual for me. I, my normal work day, I work till 2 or 3 in the morning because my phone is not ringing. I'm not answering emails and things like that. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur working at home, and I'm the same way, I mean, yeah. trying to keep up with five shows a week, you're working all the time, but you are on your own schedule. And if right. you're a disciplined person, uh, that certainly helps because uh, distractions don't really exist. You're just uh, head right. down and uh, doing what you do. Now, how about a resource? Is there one out there you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, this is going to sound so simple, but believe it or not, I just have to say the internet. And the yeah. reason I say that, when I started this, there wasn't an internet. Mm-hmm. I had to buy books. I had to go to the library. I had to flip through books, and I had to look through black and white pictures of 1958 Ferraris and try to guess exactly the colors they were. Or on the internet, now you punch in anything you want, and it comes up. And, uh, you know, so for me, it's it's an invaluable resource. When questions come up, hey, are you really sure that the uh, the uh, uh, oil pressure gauge wire on an F40 Ferrari is blue and not green? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I get, I get that, by I'm the way. Sure I you actually, do. Oh, I get things like that. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you do. Wow. Incredible. Well, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would that person be? I'm going to I'm gonna divide that between two people okay. and touch the name of a third. Mm-hmm. The two people are Dan Gurney and Jim Hall. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I, I know both guys. They're guys. They're yeah. regular guys. Yeah. They're very innovative, obviously, both of them. The things they've come up with, their brains are just are just exceptional. Uh, they're, they're a lot of fun to talk to, and they're humble. Yes. They're, they're humble with what they've done, uh, even, even with all they've done. And the other thing is, Endless stories. Mm, yes. Oh my goodness, the stories they can tell are unbelievable. I lost a friend recently, Delmo Johnson, who drove the Grand Sport Corvette. Mm, I'm sorry. And his stories, you know, were just incredible. But the other person that I would tag onto that is Parnelli Jones. Ah. I, I've, met, I've, <laughs> yes. I've actually had occasion to interview him on my DVDs. Well, Dan Gurney also. Parnelli is just the most, the sweetest guy in the world. He cannot believe, as is true of a lot of these guys from the 60s and 70s, they said all we did was leave the farm and do what we wanted to do. I can't believe people know who I am or care who I am. <laughs> yes. And yeah, so. Oh, you're very fortunate to have talked to those guys. I'd love to have all three of those guys on this show, especially uh, as time goes by and they're aging and uh, would love yeah, to have them here. Yeah. But yeah, very, very fortunate. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another friend of mine, Michael Kaiser, wrote a book called A French Kiss with Death. Oh, yes. Michael's been a guest here on Cars, yeah. Oh, has he? Has he? Yeah, Michael's a, he's a guy. He's a character. He is. He is. He, he, will, he won't mind me saying that. I've, I've been building models for Michael for a long time. Oh, okay. But uh, Prince Kiss with Death, of course, is the story of the filming of the movie Le Mans, yeah. which is, you know, probably my all-time favorite movie. And and uh, wonderful book. 
wonderful book. I really enjoyed that. Ah, great. Yep. Great book. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources Dennis has shared on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Dennis Kolleber, K-O-L-E-B-E-R is his last name, and you will find his page with links to his website and all these great resources. All right, Dennis, we're up to the fun part. Not as if we're not having fun already, obviously. <laughs> but this last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any okay. very cool collector car in the world today. Don't worry about the price because today I'm right. paying. What would that car be and why? Now, this took some thought. <laughs> when the Corvette was stolen, I had $7,500 in my pocket. I was riding around with a girlfriend who owned a Fiat 124 Spider. This was right after Fiat bought Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I took her to this. Fiat dealer in Newport Beach, California. They had a Ferrari 275 GTB4 long nose coupe for sale. Car was two years old, had 12,000 miles on it. I said, how much you want for that old car? They said, $10,000. Oh. What do you take? Yeah. And this is not about money, by the way, but, but just the story. I said, will you take 9,500? And they said, yeah. I let the V12 scare me off. Mm. I thought, I can't maintain a Ferrari. What do I know about maintaining a Ferrari? Little did I know if you maintain them properly, you know, it's bulletproof. Yeah. So the car that I would do, and I have to add just a touch to it, I would want a 275 GTB4, but I want the Spider, uh, the Nard Spider. They only built four of them. Yeah. And, of course, some of the guys took a coupe and cut it down and made it into a Spider and wish they had never done that. Yeah. And the reason is not the cost of the car. The lines of that car are just unbelievable. To me, as an art major, as a guy who deals with cars, there is no angle at which that car is not breathtaking. Yes. But I have to have the top down. So I have to, <laughs> I have, so I have to have one of the, one of the Nart Spiders. There was an article at one time, many, many years ago, and it said there are many Ferraris you would like to have, but this is the Ferrari you have to have. Yeah, you know, I've been able to spend a few days with a real 275 GTB Nart Spider. There's a gentleman up here in the Pacific Northwest that has one. And over the years, he was gracious enough to let me kind of play with his cars and take pictures. His is yellow. I don't even like you anymore. I, there I was liking you all the time. I'm going to hang up right now. <laughs> well, Golly. the whole point to me sharing this is I know where there <laughs> is one. So that means I know where I can get you one. That's why you want to like me. <laughs> now, whether he'd be willing to let it go, he's had the car for a long time. I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Those are pretty special cars. And, of course, the NART yeah. aluminum body cars uh, yeah. and the Spider, the real Spider, not, you know, the right. factory built. Yeah, you've picked a really right. nice car for me, Dennis. And that's going to set me on a little bit of a challenge, not only financially, but... <laughs> But, uh, where to get my hands on ones, given there are so few, but uh, uh, I think that's a car. Do you remember you the movie uh, Thomas Crown Affair with uh, Steve yeah. McQueen and yes. Faye Dunaway? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was driving one of those cars. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, the burgundy one, or, you know, the dark, dark red one. And yeah. uh, she said, and Steve McQueen's coming walking into this auction, and the car's parked out in front, and his business partner says, that's one of them red Italian things, isn't it? And Steve McQueen says, yeah, that's one of those red Italian things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, Dennis, you've taken me on an incredible ride today. I've enjoyed getting to talk to you a little bit more. It was so fun to meet you there at Laguna Seca. I am so fortunate that I ran into you, and that was a very fortuitous meeting. I was just walking down the aisles looking at the cars, and you were walking with a model in your hand. I think I said, hey, what do you got there? And we just started talking as a friendly guy that you are. So thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off in the sunset in that 275 GTB NART? (laughs) <laughs> I took my son away to college, and the last thing I told him when I left uh, his dormitory is something that, that has meant a great deal to me, and that is this. 
Just because somebody knows something doesn't mean they know everything. Nice. I like I told, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I told him, I said, you're going to meet professors that you're going to be enamored with because they're bright, they're intelligent, they're well-read, they're well-studied, uh, you know, and you're going to think, man, this guy is really something. But don't take everything they say as so. Yeah. Because just because they know something does not mean they know everything. Words of wisdom from a guy who's been there, done that. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing? Come to the house. (laughs) (laughs) Careful now. I've got listeners in 82 countries, thousands of listeners a day. You may have a crowd at your house. (laughs) I I do have clients that when they're in Dallas, they'll call and say, can we come by the shop? Yeah, "Yeah, but it costs you $2. Yeah, exactly. I have so much artwork on the walls, it's, it's worth $2 to come in and look at my artwork. I trade a lot of models for a lot of artwork. Ah, smart. Uh, but anyway, no, yeah, uh, yeah, my website is just my name, uh, you know, uh, com. Reason for that, I'm on Facebook also. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason for that is when I started doing this, I actually wanted to call my company Dennis the Minis. <laughs> and my wife said, you know, you're selling cars that go up to $10,000. That just sounds kind of trite. I don't yeah, think you ought to do that. smart lady. And then by the time I started doing this for a living, I had been published in a lot of magazines and done a lot of writing. Um, I'm a 48-time national champion in, in model cars. I've, I've won over 600 state and regional championships over the years. Wow. But 48 national championships. So I was in a lot of magazines. I used to write articles for model magazines and, and even car magazines. Mm-hmm. And first time I did a show at Monterey, I had a big sign up in the back that said Scale Models by Dennis Culver. And the first guy that came, I said, oh, you're Dennis Culver. And I thought, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who are you? Are, are you the IRS? Or, yeah. or, or you know what? <laughs> yes. And it dawned on me, name recognition. Yep. Was was more important than a than a cute name that people uh, would yeah. remember. Well, you've got a unique name. Well, even yeah, and it's hard because people when they're looking for it, they'll start, they'll spell it C O L U V E R or whatever. Right, it's hard right. for them to find it sometimes. But yeah, K O L E B E R DennisColver dot com. Yeah, I've got some pretty good pictures and pretty good categories, and I've got a, a, a section there called Drivers and Celebrities with me with Jay Leno and Carol Shelby and Jody Schechter and blah blah blah. And um, there's one section that's really fun that doesn't have has quite as much to do. But I built a Christmas present for George Lucas a couple of years ago. Yes, the aircraft, yeah. <laughs> I'd done model cars for the director of the movie Red Tails about the Tuskegee Airmen. Yes. That was a, a George Lucas production. And he called me and said, you know, I, I'd done a car for him for Paul Newman for a movie some years before. He said, I know you do cars, you do airplanes. I said, yeah, I, uh, I was 10 years in the Air Force, and uh, I have airplanes at the Air Force Museum. They're at Wright-Patterson. I said, so I'm an airplane guy, yeah. He said, well, uh, the staff of the movie would like a museum-quality red tail for George Lucas for Christmas. Mm. So I built that for him. Anyway, that's a, that's a neat section, kind of a diversion. But, you know, I find most most car guys are airplane guys, too. Of so. course. Yeah, we love anything so it's, mechanical. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a neat, it's a neat piece. Yeah, there's one picture on there of the uh, <clears throat> machine guns. I have 300 rounds of 50-caliber ammunition that are a quarter of an inch long. And every fifth one has a white tip for a tracer. I mean, yeah. Wow. The cockpit floor is real oak wood that's paper thin that I shaved down. I mean, you know, for George Lucas, give me a break. It's got to be pretty, gotta be gotta be pretty good. Yeah. But wow. anyway, yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of fun sections to look at on that on the website. Absolutely. Well again, listeners, you can find links to everything Dennis has shared on his show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type Dennis in the search bar or Dennis Kolleber, K-O-L-E-B-E-R. Check out his website. You will be amazed at what Dennis is doing. And I think a little envious that a guy's figured out how to wrap his passion for cars into his lifelong career. Dennis, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. 
Until you and I talk again or run into each other again, I'll see you down the road. Well, Mark, thank you. It was great, great fun. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is all mine. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!